Section two of Thrilling Adventures by Land and Sea by James O. Brayman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section two. A sketch from Life on the Ocean. Carthagena lies in the parallel of ten degrees twenty six minutes north and seventy five degrees thirty eight minutes west longitude. The harbor is good with an easy entrance. The city is strongly fortified by extensive and commanding fortifications and batteries, and I should suppose, if well garrisoned and manned, they would be perfectly able to repel any force which might be brought to bear against them it was well known at this time that all the provinces of spain had shaken off their allegiance to the mother country and declared themselves independent carthagena the most prominent of the provinces was a place of considerable commerce and about this time a few men of war and a number of privateers were fitted out there the carthagenian flag now presented a chance of gain to the cupidity of the avaricious and desperate among whom was our commander captain s as soon therefore as we had filled up our water and so forth a proposition was made by him to the second lieutenant and myself to cruise under both flags the american and carthaginian and this to be kept a profound secret from the crew until we had sailed from port of course we rejected the proposition with disdain and told him the consequence of such a measure in the event of being taken by a man-of-war of any nation that it was piracy to all intents and purposes according to the law of nations we refused to go out in the privateer if he persisted in this most nefarious act and we heard no more of it while we lay in port in a few days we were ready for sea and sailed in company with our companion her force being rather more than ours but the vessel very inferior in point of sailing while together we captured several small british schooners the cargoes of which together with some specie were divided between two privateers into one of the prizes we put all the prisoners gave them plenty of water and provisions and let them pursue their course the remainder of the prizes were burned we then parted company and being short of water ran in toward the land in order to ascertain if any could be procured in approaching the shore the wind died away to a perfect calm and at four p m a small schooner was seen in shore of us as we had not steerage way upon our craft of course it would be impossible to ascertain her character before dark it was therefore determined by our commander to board her with the boats under cover of the night this was a dangerous service but there was no backing out volunteers being called for i stepped forward and very soon a sufficient number of men to man two boats offered their services to back me every disposition was made for the attack the men were strongly armed oars muffled and a grappling placed in each boat the bearings of the strange sail were taken and night came on perfectly clear and cloudless i took command of the expedition the second lieutenant having charge of one boat the arrangement was to keep close together until we got sight of the vessel the second lieutenant was to board on the bow and i on the quarter we proceeded in the most profound silence nothing was heard save now and then a slight splash of the oars in the water and before we obtained sight of the vessel i had sufficient time to reflect on this most perilous enterprise 
my reflections were not of the most pleasant character and i found myself inwardly shrinking when i was aroused by the voice of the bowman saying there she is sir two points to the starboard bow there she lay sure enough with every sail hoisted and a light was plainly seen as we supposed from her deck it being too high for her cabin windows we now held a consultation and saw no good reason to change the disposition of the attack except that we agreed to board simultaneously it may be well to observe here that any number of men on a vessel's deck in the night have double the advantage to repel boarders because they may secrete themselves in such a position as to fall upon an enemy unawares and thereby cut them off with little difficulty being fully aware of this i ordered the men as soon as we had gained the deck of the schooner to proceed with great caution and keep close together till every hazard of the enterprise was ascertained the boats now separated and pulled for their respective stations observing the most profound silence when we had reached within a few yards of the schooner we lay upon our oars for some moments but could neither hear nor see anything we then pulled away cheerily and the next minute were under her counter and grappled to her every man leaped on the deck without opposition the other boat boarded nearly at the same moment and we proceeded in a body with great caution to examine the decks a large fire was in the caboose and we soon ascertained that her deck was entirely deserted and that she neither had any boat on deck nor to her stern we then proceeded to examine the cabin leaving an armed force on deck the cabin like the deck being deserted the mystery was easily unravelled probably concluding that we should board them under cover of the night they no doubt as soon as it was dark took to their boats and deserted the vessel on the floor of the cabin was a part of an english ensign and some papers which showed that she belonged to jamaica the little cargo on board consisted of jamaica rum sugar fruit and so forth the breeze now springing up and the privateer showing lights we were enabled to get alongside of her in a couple of hours a prize master and crew were put on board with orders to keep company during the night we ran along shore and in the morning took on board the privateer the greater part of the prize's cargo being close inshore in the afternoon we descried a settlement of huts and supposing that water might be obtained there the two vessels were run in and anchored about two miles distant from the beach a proposition was made to me by captain s to get the water casks on board the prize schooner and as she drew a light draught of water i was to run her in and anchor her near the beach taking with me the two boats and twenty men i observed to captain s that this was probably an indian settlement and it was well known that all the indian tribes on the coast of rio de la hacha were exceedingly ferocious and said to be cannibals and it was also well known that whosoever fell into their hands never escaped with their lives so that it was necessary before any attempt was made to land that some of the indians should be decoyed on board and detained as hostages for our safety at the conclusion of this statement a very illiberal allusion was thrown out by captain s and some doubts expressed in reference to my courage he remarking that if i was afraid to undertake the expedition he would go himself 
this was enough for me i immediately resolved to proceed if i sacrificed my life in the attempt the next morning twenty water casks were put on board the prize together with the two boats and twenty men well armed with muskets pistols and cutlasses with a supply of ammunition i repaired on board got the prize under way ran in and anchored about one hundred yards from the beach the boats were got in readiness and the men were well armed and the water casks slung ready to proceed on shore i had examined my own pistols narrowly that morning and had put them in complete order and as i believed had taken every precaution for our future operations so as to prevent surprise there were about a dozen ill-constructed huts or wigwams but no spot of grass or shrub was visible to the eye with the exception of here and there the trunk of an old tree one solitary indian was seen stalking on the beach and the whole scene presented the most wild and savage appearance and to my mind argued very unfavourably we pulled in with the casks in tow seven men being in each boat when within a short distance of the beach the boat's heads were put to seaward when the indian came abreast of us addressing him in spanish i inquired if water could be procured to which he replied in the affirmative i then displayed to his view some gigaws and trinkets at which he appeared perfectly delighted and with many signs and gestures invited me on shore thrusting my pistols into my belt and buckling on my cartridge box i gave orders to the boat's crew that in case they discovered anything like treachery or surprise after i had gotten on shore to cut the water casks adrift and make the best of their way on board the prize as soon as i had jumped on shore i inquired if there were any livestock such as fowls and so forth to be had pointing to a hut about thirty yards from the boats he said that the stock was there and invited me to go and see it i hesitated suspecting some treachery however after repeating my order to the boat's crews i proceeded with the indian and when within about half a dozen yards of the hut at a preconcerted signal as i supposed as if by magic at least one hundred indians rushed out with the rapidity of thought i was knocked down stripped of all my clothing except an inside flannel shirt tied hand and foot and then taken and secured to the trunk of a large tree surrounded by about twenty squaws as a guard who with the exception of two or three bore a most wild and hideous look in their appearance the capture of the boat's crews was simultaneous with my own they being so much surprised and confounded at the stratagem of the indians that they had had not the power or presence of mind to pull off after they had secured our men a number of them jumped into the boats pulled off and captured the prize without meeting with any resistance from those on board they being only six in number her cable was then cut and she was run on the beach when they proceeded to dismantle her by cutting the sails from the bolt ropes and taking out what little cargo there was consisting of jamaica rum sugar and so forth this being done they led ropes on shore when about one hundred of them hauled her up nearly high and dry by this time the privateer had seen our disaster stood boldly in and anchored within less than gunshot of the beach 
they then very foolishly opened a brisk cannonade but every shot was spent in vain this exasperated the indians and particularly the one who had taken possession of my pistols casting my eye round i saw him creeping toward me with one pistol presented and when about five yards off he pulled the trigger but as providence had no doubt ordered it the pistol snapped at the same moment a shot from the privateer fell a few yards from us when the indian rose upon his feet cocked the pistol and fired it at the privateer turning round with a most savage yell he threw the pistol with great violence which grazed my head and then with a large stick beat and cut me until i was perfectly senseless this was about ten o'clock and i did not recover my consciousness until as i supposed about four o'clock in the afternoon i perceived there were four squaws around me one of whom from her appearance having on many gewgaws and trinkets was the wife of a chief as soon as she discovered signs of returning consciousness she presented me with a gourd the contents of which appeared to be indian meal mixed with water she first drank and then gave it to me and i can safely aver that i never drank any beverage before or since which produced such relief night was now coming on the privateer had got under way and was standing off and on with a flag of truce flying at her masthead the treacherous indian with whom i had first conversed came and with a malignant smile gave me the dreadful intelligence that at twelve o'clock that night we were to be roasted and eaten accordingly at sunset i was unloosed and conducted by a band of about half a dozen savages to the spot where i found the remainder of our men firmly secured by having their hands tied behind them their legs lashed together and each man fastened to a stake that had been driven into the ground for that purpose there was no possibility to elude the vigilance of the miscreants as soon as night shut in a large quantity of brushwood was piled around us and nothing now was wanting but the fire to complete this horrible tragedy then the same malicious savage approached us once more and with the deepest malignity taunted us with our coming fate having some knowledge of the indian character i summoned up all the fortitude of which i was capable and in terms of defiance told him that twenty indians would be sacrificed for each one of us sacrificed by him i knew very well that it would not do to exhibit any signs of fear or cowardice and having heard much of the cupidity of the indian character i offered the savage a large ransom if he would use his influence to procure our release here the conversation was abruptly broken off by a most hideous yell from the whole tribe occasioned by their having taken large draughts of the rum which now began to operate very sensibly upon them and as it will be seen operated very much to our advantage this thirst for rum caused them to relax their vigilance and we were left alone to pursue our reflections which were not of the most enviable or pleasant character a thousand melancholy thoughts rushed over my mind here i was and in all probability in a few hours i should be in eternity and my death one of the most horrible description 
oh thought i how many were the entreaties and arguments used by my friends to deter me from pursuing an avocation so full of hazard and peril if i had taken their advice and acceded to their solicitations in all probability i should at this time have been in the enjoyment of much happiness i was aroused from this reverie by the most direful screams from the united voices of the whole tribe they having drunk largely of the rum and become so much intoxicated that a general fight ensued many of them lay stretched on the ground with tomahawks deeply implanted in their skulls and many others as the common phrase is were dead drunk this was an exceedingly fortunate circumstance for us with their senses benumbed of course they had forgotten their avowal to roast us or it may be the indian to whom i proposed ransom had conferred with the others and they no doubt agreed to spare our lives until the morning it was a night however of pain and terror as well as of the most anxious suspense and when the morning dawn broke upon my vision i felt an indescribable emotion of gratitude as i had fully made up my mind the night previous that long before this time i should have been sleeping the sleep of death it was a pitiable sight when the morning light appeared to see twenty human beings stripped naked with their bodies cut and lacerated and the blood issuing from their wounds with their hands and feet tied and their bodies fastened to stakes with brushwood piled around them expecting every moment to be their last my feelings on this occasion can be better imagined than described suffice it to say that i had given up all hopes of escape and gloomily resigned myself to death when the fumes of the liquor had in some degree worn off from the benumbed senses of the savages they arose and approached us and for the first time the wily indian informed me that the tribe had agreed to ransom us they then cast off the lashings from our bodies and feet and with our hands still secure drove us before them to the beach then another difficulty arose the privateer was out of sight and the indians became furious to satiate their hellish malice they obliged us to run on the beach while they let fly their poisoned arrows after us for my own part my limbs were so benumbed that i could scarcely walk and i firmly resolved to stand still and take the worst of it which was the best plan i could have adopted for when they perceived that i exhibited no signs of fear not a single arrow was discharged at me fortunately before they grew weary of this sport to my great joy the privateer hove in sight she stood boldly in with the flag of truce flying and the savages consented to let one man of their own choosing go off in the boat to procure the stipulated ransom the boat returned loaded with articles of various descriptions and two of our men were released the boat kept plying to and from the privateer bringing such articles as they demanded until all were released except myself here it may be proper to observe that the mulatto man who had been selected by the indians performed all this duty himself not one of the privateer's crew daring to hazard their lives with him in the boat i then was left alone and for my release they required a double ransom i began now seriously to think that they intended to detain me altogether 
my mulatto friend however pledged himself that he would never leave me again for the last time he sculled the boat off she quickly returned with a larger amount of articles than previously it was a moment of the deepest anxiety for there had now arrived from the interior another tribe apparently superior in point of numbers and elated with the booty which had been obtained they demanded a share and expressed a determination to detain me for a larger ransom these demands were refused and a conflict ensued of the most frightful and terrific character tomahawks knives and arrows were used indiscriminately and many an indian fell in that bloody contest the tomahawks were thrown with the swiftness of arrows and were generally buried in the skull or the breast and whenever two came in contact with the famous indian hug the strife was soon over with either one or the other by one plunging the deadly knife up to the hilt in the body of his opponent nor were the poisoned arrows of less swift execution for wherever they struck the wretched victim was quickly in eternity i shall never forget the frightful barbarity of that hour although years have elapsed since its occurrence still the whole scene in imagination is before me the savage yell of the war-whoop and the direful screams of the squaws still ring afresh in my ears in the height of this conflict a tall indian chief who i knew belonged to the same tribe with the young squaw who gave me the drink came down to the beach where i was the boat had been discharged and was lying with her head off at a signal given by the squaw to the chief he caught me in his arms with as much ease as if i had been a child waded to the boat threw me in and then with a most expressive gesture urged us off fortunately there were two oars in the boat and feeble as i was i threw all the remaining strength i had to the oar it was the last effort as life or death hung upon the next fifteen minutes disappointed of a share of the booty the savages were frantic with rage especially when they saw i had eluded their grasp rushing to the beach about a dozen threw themselves into the other boat which had been captured and pulled after us but fortunately in their hurry they had forgotten the muskets and being unacquainted with the method of rowing of course they made but little progress which enabled us to increase our distance the privateer having narrowly watched all these movements and seeing our imminent danger stood boldly on toward the beach and in the next five minutes she lay between us and the indians discharging a heavy fire of musketry among them such was the high excitement of my feelings that i scarcely recollected how i gained the privateer's deck but i was saved nevertheless though i was weak with the loss of blood and savage treatment my limbs benumbed and body scorched with the piercing rays of the sun the whole scene rushing through my mind with the celerity of electricity it unmanned and quite overpowered me i fainted and fell senseless on the deck the usual restoratives and care were administered and i soon recovered from the effects of my capture some of the others were not so fortunate two of them especially were cut in a shocking manner and the others were so dreadfully beaten and mangled by clubs that the greatest care was necessary to save their lives End of section two.